When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. This is our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Of course, I got to tell you about Football Insider here right off the top where you get access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com about the Browns. You get a daily newsletter uh, emailed to you written by a member of our Browns team. I wrote today's, in fact, uh, that comes exclusively to our Football Insider subscribers. And then, of course, there's our text subscription as well, where we'll text you uh, during the day with updates and news, analysis. Uh, The really cool part about this, honestly, I've told you guys about the Zoom stuff we do, but I think the really cool part about it is, uh, like, you text us, you text us back, and I can text directly back to you. It doesn't go out to the big group. It's just a conversation we can have and and you can have with our other Browns writers uh, as well, which I think is kind of one of the cool ways uh, to connect with all of you and for all of you to connect with us. So check out Football Insider if you go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click on the blue banner up at the top of the page and you'll get information there and you can get yourself signed up. Now, here's our podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well. And Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Finally caught up on sleep after Monday night. Took a while, but I'm here. Yeah, that was one of those, uh, I'm getting too old for this moment, I think, for uh, (laughs) dealing with these night games. But we better get used to them because I think we're going to see a lot of uh, primetime games again next year for the Browns. And of course, one coming up this week against the Giants. We're going to throw out some questions here about the Browns. And we're going to start with the Browns and Giants. And of course, look, one of the topics, it's not as big of a topic because uh, really the key piece is injured and out for the year in Odell Beckham, but uh, a lot of revisiting of the Odell Beckham Jr. trade that uh, John Dorsey made before the 2019 season. The Browns got, of course, Odell Beckham and Olivier Vernon. They threw all of that stuff together into one big deal. The Giants got uh, Jabril Peppers, Kevin Zeitler, Uh, The Browns' number 17 pick, which they used on Dexter Lawrence, and then also the Browns' number 95 pick, which is uh, a pick they got from the Patriots to take O'Shane Zimenez, I believe is how you say it. I was looking up that pronunciation beforehand, and I still don't really know for sure, but that's what the Giants got. So the question is, do we know if anyone won this trade? Is it fair to say one team won this trade or not yet? You know, it's a great question, and obviously it will be kicked around all throughout the week. Um, you know, at, the, at this point, it, it almost does seem like it, it sort of went in the Giants' favor for a number of reasons. They got a lot of pieces out of the trade uh, that have really helped them. They've got a lot of starters. Uh, Jabril is a starter. Dexter Lawrence is a starter. Kevin Zeitler is a starter. And is the other guy a starter? I forget. The one that's injured? Uh, he was playing kind of limited limited snaps in, in uh, four games this year so they got a role player there and and you know I think the biggest thing for them uh, and this is something that you don't see on paper is that uh, they unloaded for them a player that they just felt 
wasn't good for their football team in terms of of the locker room and the culture and and what they were trying to do. I mean, he was speaking out against the Giants. He was criticizing Eli Manning on on in an ESPN interview. Uh, so sometimes it's more about those kinds of things too than it is just the talent of the player. Now, when it comes to uh, the Browns, I mean, it's not like they. I don't feel like you can say they really outright lost this trade in any way. I think if, if Odell Jr. Beckham Jr. were playing right now, that he and Baker would be doing really, really well together in this offense, like we all thought that they would. Uh, you know, he's almost he did single handedly win the Dallas game. If not for him, they would not be nine and four right now. They just would not be. And in other games, he made big plays early on to help them win games. So uh, I don't, I don't even know, even at this point, if they would have the record that they would have without Odell. And I think that they would be a much better football team if he were not injured right now. And then Vernon, I mean, Vernon has, has done a nice job uh, he, he's been injured. That hasn't helped matters. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, he's, he's started to kind of, uh, pick it up here over the last three or four games. And if he is a big reason why, uh, you know, they make the playoffs and succeed in the playoffs, then uh, I think that will count for a lot. It was hard because one team got, you know, more players than the other team. And <clears throat> Really, if you take the, the draft picks out of the equation for a minute and just talk about the players who were known quantities that are known commodities at that point, none of those guys has really played up to expectations or at least not as well as they did prior to joining their new team, right? We've talked a ton about how Odell is, you know, not playing like the Odell that everybody saw in New York and um, <clears throat> Zeitler has not played as well as he did in Cleveland or, or definitely not as well as he did with the Bengals, uh, peppers, uh, you know, he, he's really struggling in coverage this year. He's not the, turned into the, uh, I guess the first round pick that he was, uh, hyped as uh, when this deal went down. So, you know, none of those players has really turned into that, that, <clears throat> that game changing type of guy that I think both teams are hoping that they would Vernon obviously has not been, uh, uh, the player that the Browns are really hoping he's played well the last couple of games. Maybe he's turned in the corner, but to this point, he has not been the person who has ended the talk about needing more pass rush opposite miles Garrett. So uh, from that respect, it's kind of a wash in a way. Uh, but then you add in, you know, uh, uh, Dexter Lawrence, and he's been one of the best defensive players for the giants this year. And um, so maybe they're kind of winning it, but I don't think either of these teams, if you reverse the trade, I don't think, I don't think either of these teams becomes – I don't think it really devastates either of these teams either way. I think they're much the same kind of team in a way. I mean, obviously the Giants are going to have someone playing safety. Um, they would have spent a first-round pick, uh, uh, you know, in, in the draft. And so, I, I don't know, I, if this draft never – if this trade never happens, I don't know that either of these teams are considerably different. Yeah, I, like I look at the Brown side of it, and it's – Okay, so you gave up Kevin Zeitler, but then, you know, John Dorsey turned around and made the trade for Wyatt Teller, and we've seen what he's developed into. You gave up Jabril Peppers, and, you know, were it not for injuries, you know, this team would have Grant Delpit out there. Um, they end up also adding Ronnie Harrison because Grant Delpit got hurt. Uh, so I think the Browns probably have to feel okay at the safety position moving forward. It's just injuries have made it so that they don't have the guys that they would maybe have out there. Um 
you know, it seems like every time I hear about Jabril Peppers talked about, you know, he's liked there, but I mean, Scott, you're right. He's, he's not really grading out particularly well outside of uh, as a pass rusher. And that's sort of, that was kind of what it was like here. You know, we knew he could get after the quarterback a little bit from the safety position, but everything else was kind of okay. So I, I don't think the Browns are worse off because of what they gave up necessarily. I think they're, like you said, kind of where they're supposed to be. In fact, the Giants, you can maybe make the case that they'd love to have a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. helping out their young quarterback, you know, if they could kind of live with all the other stuff, the financials and, uh, you know, kind of Odell in the New York media market sort of stuff that they were dealing with. Yeah, you know what? I mean, a good combination between a quarterback and a receiver goes a very long way in terms of the success of a football team. So who knows how he would have been doing uh, with Daniel Jones and what impact he may have had. And we have seen that good offenses in the NFL have been kind of trumping good defenses when it comes to winning football games and making the playoffs and things like that. And we've, we've have actually just seen it, you know, even in recent weeks uh, that, that if you have got a really good offense, you, you know, you can be on the road to the postseason, even if your defense is pretty crummy. So, um, so who knows? Yeah. He might've been more valuable to them uh, than the other pieces that they got. And then the other part too, is like Odell, you know, I think the disappointment in the trade is Odell just never clicked here. Like it, it just, it never happened for him. You know, he was supposed to be the piece that pushed this team you know, to that next level last year, it obviously didn't happen. And then this year, um, you know, you mentioned the Dallas game, Mary Kay, but it's been so hit and miss. It just, there just hasn't been that consistency between him and Baker. Um, and, and so I think that's probably the biggest disappointment. And if whatever happens this off season, if the Browns decide to go a different direction or, or whatever, I, I think that's, you know, that's going to leave a bad taste in the mouth. I think of this trade, even if, you kind of look at what the Browns gave up and kind of look at, look at what the Giants got. And, you know, you're not really missing a lot of those pieces. Um, okay. So let's move on here. Our next question. Uh, we, we always kind of reset the expectations for this football team, right? As, as they've gone along week by week, we've talked about what our predictions were at the beginning of the year. I said eight and eight, Scott, I forget what you said. Yours was, was it nine and seven? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Mary Kay, I think you were at nine and seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here they are at nine and four. Obviously, we, we're, we're all going to end up being a little low. So this has been about resetting expectations as we go. And the Titans and the Ravens were supposed to be big tests for this team. The Browns uh, beat the Titans, blew them out in the first half, and then hung on. And then uh, there's a cat on our Zoom, by the way. For those, you, those are, a lot of you can't see this, obviously, but we record these on Zoom, and Mary Kay's cat is hanging out in the picture. Um, the, uh, then they go against the Ravens lose a coin flip game, Justin Tucker, a 55 yard field goal at the end. Uh, so the question, now that we've gotten past these two games, which were supposed to be the big tests, kind of like to ask this every now and again, where does this team rank in the AFC with where how Pittsburgh has played with how this team has played. They've beaten the Ravens. Are we moving them up any more than like, you know, I think most people might've had them at fourth going into these two games, maybe at best, where are they sitting right now in your guys' minds? Mm. Scott, you want to go? Well, I put the Chiefs at the top, and I think the Bills are in second place now. Mm-hmm. And after that, it's just a jumble of just – it's a mess trying to differentiate between 
these different teams. I think, you know, the Browns are right in that group and the Steelers are, and now the Ravens definitely are, I would say now that they're kind of through their, their whole COVID issues and people are healthy. Um, you know, the Titans are in there, all the Colts on the right day. So I think you have a lot of teams that, um, you know, on any given Sunday that can kind of be that team. But I think the chiefs and the bills have maybe separated themselves. The chiefs definitely. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody else is just good luck, you know, because <laughs> as we've seen the, the Browns can play probably with anybody. And, you know, even though they beat the Titans, I don't think you're going to see that same game if they play again in the playoffs. Um, the Steelers are still the Steelers, no matter how weak their schedule is. Um, not very different from what the Browns have played. So, you know, and the Ravens, I think, are as scary as anybody. So, yeah, I think it's just kind of a mess of teams there, at number three through whatever, that you, it's really hard to, to separate. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right about that. I mean, you have got to put the Ravens uh, into this mix now. I mean, I think people, you know, when they lost their, uh, what was it? It was three straight and four out of six. I think people kind of wrote them off a little bit. And, you know, you, you can't do that. You've got to get them uh, back into the mix now after what you saw. I mean, Lamar Jackson has come back with a renewed vigor, a renewed energy, and uh, a, a renewed resolve. And I think a lot of them do. And they're getting so many of their guys back healthy. And as they move forward, I think Calais Campbell will be even healthier. And they've got um, three pretty easy games coming up. And, you know, they have a, a pretty darn good chance of making the playoffs. And I don't know if, uh, if that's a team that, that the, uh, the Browns would want to meet up with again in a dark alley. I mean, that's a, that is going to be a tough out. So um, I would put, um, I think right now you have to put them ahead of the Browns. They beat them twice, right? I mean, they beat them twice. So I would probably go Kansas City. I think I'd go the Chiefs after that. And then I think I would go, and I'm I'm ranking these in terms of like how I if I think do, the, do, you, do you mean the Bills? I mean the Bills. Yeah. yeah. The Chiefs, and then the Bills, uh, and then the Ravens, and then I think I'm putting the Browns right after that. That's interesting. Putting putting yeah, that's interesting. Look, the Ravens have played two really good games in a row. Uh, I do think that the Bills are still kind of flying under the radar, which is strange. But I, I do think there's. To me, I don't think there's much of an argument to have them second. And, and I was curious, too, you know, one of the tiebreakers is strength of victory. And the Bills have the highest number there, the highest percentage in, in strength of victory. That means the teams you've beaten uh, of all the playoff teams. Uh, if you're curious, the Dolphins are dead last right now of all the playoff teams. The Browns are, are right ahead of them. You know, Baltimore, though, is uh, actually higher than Buffalo. So, I mean, those are teams that have beaten – good football teams. And I think the bills, people are starting to kind of put that respect on their name a little bit. Uh, but I think they're definitely second. And if I had to pick a team that could maybe go toe to toe with Kansas city, and I don't know if that team exists, it could be the bills. If Josh Allen shows up and has one of those Josh Allen games um, and the bills just decide to score like 50 points. But uh, I think Kansas city's in class by themselves. I put Buffalo second. Um. You know, I, I, I hear the argument for Baltimore. I think I'm st I think I would put the Browns, I guess, at the top of that tier of teams right below those top two right now, just because they've beaten Tennessee, they've beaten Indianapolis. Um, and, you know, the, the case for Baltimore, like you said, is they've beaten the Browns twice. But, uh, you know, I still see a team in Baltimore that is really fighting 
their playoff lives a little bit, even though this easy schedule should help them. So I think that's how I would, would kind of shake it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a tough debate. It's a tough debate because of, again, because of what they just, maybe I'm, uh, you know, influenced by uh, the game that they just played and, and having lost to them before. But I also think their defense is, is pretty good. And it didn't really show it the other night, though. I mean, I was almost surprised. I was expecting a better defensive performance uh, from the Ravens. I was very, very surprised about that. But that's that speaks to how good the Browns offense has gotten, though, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, I, I mean, I sorry, Scott, I, I just made the argument that the Browns beat the, the Titans and the Colts, so they should be ahead of them. But I'm writing off the Ravens beating the Browns twice. So uh, this is complicated. Yeah. I would put the Browns offense uh, probably right behind the Chiefs as far as the potential to, to you know, the trouble that they're going to give a defense on a consistent basis. I don't, you know, they, they're as good as anybody. The defense is what you just, you don't know what you're going to get from them week to week. Yeah. There's going to be some fun matchups in this postseason. Yeah. Cause really outside of Kansas city, that's what I think this postseason is going to be all about is and, kind of how teams match up. And you know what? I mean, the Titans can almost, the Titans can get so hot offensively as we saw in the second half of that game too. So there are teams that, offensively can kind of kind of get hot and go toe-to-toe a little bit with a a high scoring Chiefs team but uh, the Browns are definitely one of those teams yeah I I do think if the Titans and Browns played again it would look a lot more like what we saw Monday night uh, as opposed to what we saw a a couple weeks ago in Nashville when the Browns just absolutely pounced on them okay I'm going to go to this question here uh, because I like this one a sleeper on this football team. You know, there's so many guys who are contributing to where this team is at right now to this start. Um, and, you know, you can play, you can have your definition of sleeper, you, you know, you can make it as loose as you want, but I, I guess I'm defining it as a guy that we haven't really talked about a lot, but who's really important to kind of where this team is at right now. Uh, is, is there anybody that sticks out to you? I think I know, I think I know where I'm going, but if you guys have one, I'll let you go first. I have one, but Scott, you want to go? Sure. I, I feel like I've talked about every possible player all the time. <laughs> yes, Scott <laughs> covers the entire and, roster. And got to watch the tape. I'm, I'm always talking about these players. I, early in the season, I probably would have put Kadero Hodge on this list, but or made him this player, but, you know, he's been out and it just hasn't worked out in that way for him. I'm probably going to go with Malcolm Smith at linebacker, um, you know, brought in after Mac Wilson got hurt. He's been solid. He's probably been exactly what they wanted him to be when they signed him. He's been their best coverage linebacker by far. And he actually has the highest coverage grade on the defense uh, for PFF. So um, he's come through in that way. He's uh, I think he's playing 51% of the snaps. Uh, and really, I mean, other than Goodson, who's on the field, most of the time they're really rotating the other guys. So it's, you know, whatever the situation calls for, but I think, Malcolm Smith is one of those guys who's, you know, he's, like I said, he's been solid. He's, I think he's fourth on the team in tackles and, you know, he doesn't have a lot of plays that really stick out in your head. Um, Like some of the other players on this defense have have made a key interception or whatever. He had a pick against Washington, but he's got like one sack, Um, but just play to play. He's been solid. And I think the fact that he isn't out there getting toasted and uh, you know, uh, giving up a bunch of yards after catch things like that uh, on the field. I think, you know, speaks well that they, they made a good choice in, in finding someone who can come in and kind of stem the tide when Mac Wilson is out. He's be- definitely been better than Mac Wilson since Wilson's returned. Um, so going into next season, when you're, if you're looking at Mac Wilson versus Malcolm Smith, 
I know there's an age difference there, but uh, the quality of play has definitely been on Smith's side. That was a really nice kind of late signing. Definitely. Uh, he's, I, you've noticed him too. It's, it's not just, you, you see him when he's out there. He, he, and that's, that's saying a lot for, for this linebacking group. Mary Kay, who do you have? Uh, I'm going to go with Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, you know, I just feel like uh, he has someone that has been uh, a very, very pleasant surprise for them offensively this season. Now, obviously, I don't think they are winning the Cincinnati game unless he makes that catch at the very end. Uh, so that was absolutely huge there. Once again, they're not looking at nine victories right at this moment unless he comes up with that big play on that stage at that time. So I thought that was huge. Uh, and just lately, I mean, he is, is coming up with, with big plays when they're without Odell, they've been without Kaderil, and they've needed guys to step up. And, you know, we had heard that, you know, yeah, he'll be, you know, returning kicks and he'll be a role player. He's been thrust into a much larger role and he is, he's stepping up to the plate. And even just being heads up, and he seems like a really smart player. Even just being uh, there enough to catch the two-point conversion the other day, to stick with the play long enough and to keep your head in that play long enough that when it bounces off Kareem's hands, that you're there to catch it, and then he did catch it. I mean, I thought, I thought that was phenomenal. So, um, you know, and then he had the other uh, – big 37 yard catch and a couple other uh, big receptions in that game. I, I just think that uh, he has been a tremendously pleasant surprise. Should we just call him big play DPJ? That's his <laughs> nickname now. Cause that's all he does. He doesn't do a lot, but he's always, you know, in the middle of a big play. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yep. that's what they need. They need a guy that can do that for them right now. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that, you know, we talk about him, but, we really don't. And I think it's just because he's always kind of there. He's always kind of been there ever since he came into the league. I'm going to say Joel Batonio. Hmm. You know, we've, we've spent a lot of time on Wyatt Teller and rightfully so. Uh, and I wanted to just double check the grades here. Of course, Wyatt Teller is the highest graded guard in football overall and the highest graded run blocking guard in football. Joel Batonio is right there. He's third overall. He's actually sixth in pass blocking and his run blocking grade is, is good too. He's sixth in run blocking. So he's been consistent. And I think that Joel Batonio is just kind of, I mean, he's done what a guard is supposed to do, right? Shows up for work every day, plays every snap. Uh, he's always been a guy that fits this scheme really well. Uh, it's why he had so much success right away as a rookie. And now that he's back in it, he's a mobile guy. He can get out in front on runs. Uh, I, I think Joel Batonio is, you know, you can point to every single person on this offensive line and say this guy is important to what this team does on offense. And I think Joel Batonio, you know, for the way, for how good he is, for his reliability, all of that stuff, he's kind of become the new Joe Thomas on this team uh, when, when he talks to us. I think he's kind of, I don't know if sleeper's the right word, you know, because I think we just kind of know what we're going to get out of Joel Batonio at that point, so we don't talk about it much. So, so I guess that's kind of where I'm going with this. We just don't talk about him and, and how good he is all that often. Yeah, that's the life of, of an offensive lineman, right? If you're not talking about an offensive lineman, he's really, really doing his job. And you're right about Joel. I mean, he's just so solid. He's a Pro Bowl caliber guard, uh, just doing his job. And when I look at this offensive line, it's such a major reason why they are having the success that they are having offensively and that they can do what 
they need to do. I mean, he look, Baker didn't even get sacked at all in this past game. This is a such a good offensive line. Uh, they are tremendous, and they're so well coached by Bill Callahan. You're right. Joel is just a huge, solid part of that. He's only got one penalty this year, too. And I don't know how you can even measure the value of having him next to Jedrick Wills. You know, that's that's a big deal, too. And I think uh, that kind of goes, um, you know, you don't chart those things in stats. It's just something that happens on a day-to-day basis. And that's probably been a, a big reason why Wills has done as well as he's done this year. And, and he's the guy, too, that kind of stands out to me as like, man, this guy really deserves this season. You know, because I, I like I've talked to him before and, and he said, I think he said this on, on Zoom calls now, too. But he said that um, he start you know, he started his career in 2014 and the Browns were seven and four. And he actually told me once he thought, oh, winning's easy in the NFL. And then that was about it for him until until this year. So, um He's a guy that really absolutely kind of deserves uh, what this team is, is doing this year. He's kind of put yeah. in that time. Uh, Joe and, Thomas thought the same thing in 2007. Exactly. See, like I said, Joel is like <laughs> the, the new Joe Thomas here, uh, but maybe he's actually going to get some playoff games under his belt. Here, here's a question, and I, this might be hard to put a number off the top of your head, but Scott, I'm pretty sure I stole this one from you, so I've, I've got to make sure I ask it when you are actually on the pod um, okay. how many guys on this team are pro bowlers? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say three. Okay. I'm going to say three. Now, remember, there's no – alternates don't really matter this year because there isn't going to be a game, so people aren't going to be missing the game, which is going to be weird. Um, but I think Miles Garrett is a pro bowler. Nick Chubb is a pro bowler. Wyatt Teller is probably a pro bowler. I would think, I think enough coaches and enough teams have talked about him and know his worth to this run game that he gets a nod. Um, but beyond that, I mean, in a normal year, you'd probably say Batonio, Conklin, maybe, maybe alternates, Landry, maybe an alternate that sneaks in because of circumstances. And then, you know, he's getting, he's getting those uh, later votes because, you know, he's, he's been in the game over five straight years. But I think really you could say three. And you could probably talk me out of Teller. I think two definites. I, I think Batonio, as of last week, I don't know if they've sent out this week, I think Batonio was leading the fan vote. So that, that'll help him maybe get in there. And he also has the uh, – that's one of those positions where it's like, oh, this guy's been a pro bowler. Okay, yeah, let's just vote for him. <laughs> so I, I think that's, that's part of the equation too, especially when we're talking about players voting. Um, but yeah, so I, let's see, Garrett, Garrett's a no-brainer, Chubb's a no-brainer. Um, like, I mean, I guess if the question is who will be versus who deserves, that, that's, yeah. those are two very different questions. But yeah, I would think if, if we're saying who's going to make it, I would say Batonio, Chubb, uh, Garrett, and that, that might be it. Well, you know, I think, I think Janovich was getting votes too. So maybe Janovich sneaks in as a fullback. That's, oh, that's a weird one too. That's, that's kind of like an offensive lineman. He's gotten nowhere near the kind of snaps that CJ Ham last year had last year with the Vikings. He's like, we talked so much about the fullback and the importance of the fullback to this offense, but it hasn't really materialized the way we thought it has. Not that he hasn't played well, but it's weird that you vote specifically for a fullback in the Pro Bowl. I, I would have like said Denzel, I know him in the league. I, I would have said Denzel Ward too, but I don't know if this injury is going to slow 
slow that down. Yeah, yeah I, that's, that's the one that I, I think is really disappointing for the Browns is that I thought Denzel was off to a, just a terrific start at cornerback just in terms of shutting down his guy, uh, you know, breaking up passes. Now, he doesn't have the interception numbers, and there are plenty of, of guys with a lot of interceptions this year. So uh, he didn't have that, and it would probably have been hard to get votes without those. But just from a down-for-down down, uh, standpoint, I, I just thought he was really, really, really playing very, very well and was deserving of it. I don't think he's going to get it, uh, but, but that's a shame. Uh, and now he, he'll be back for the last three games, so uh, maybe he can get into the consciousness of people. He'll be on Sunday night football, and people will remember him. Uh, from that a little bit, but not really sure if, if he'll be able to catch up from that. But I mean, definitely Miles, definitely Nick. And, um, you know, Jack Conklin was another one. I mean, Joel, Wyatt, you know, there's three offensive linemen that we could kind of talk about. Uh, Jack Conklin, uh, you know, I, I'm just wondering how many really good uh, right tackles there are or tackles there are in, in the NFL. So many of them have gone down with injuries this year. The best ones are going down. So uh, Taewon, uh, Taylor Lewan is out. Ronnie Stanley is out. I forget. Do they do these right tackle and left tackle, or is I, it just? Yeah. I don't remember if they uh, do. Yeah, I think it I might just be tackle. Uh, it's tackle. I think, it's, uh, I think it is just tackle, though. Yeah, I mean, I would think that he should get some consideration, but um, once again, he doesn't have sort of the, you know, sort of the the big name power. And, and I don't know if he will get it, but I think he, he's playing certainly well enough to deserve it. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking now at, at some of the fan voting and yeah, it's, it's just tackle. Uh, so they, they don't differentiate there. And uh, Miles Garrett was on that list. Petonio was on that list. And yeah. Andy Janovich, uh, th those were the three guys that the Browns were getting that were at the top of their position mm -hmm. in the fan vote. So uh, those, those guys certainly have an, an inside track, I guess. It's three, it's three pronged, so. We'll see how that goes. I mean, they should just send the whole offensive line, if we're being honest. You know, even even Jedrick Wills probably deserves a little consideration um, with the way he's played. Okay, I think that uh, that is going to do it for our questions here on this podcast. Uh, if you want to check out Football Insider, do that. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. There's a blue banner at the top of the page. And make sure you are subscribed to the pod to get all of these directly on your phone, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. I know we'll have a new Gotta Watch the Tape coming up along with our dailies. Scott, do you have a topic for that one yet? Well, we're going to take a good look at what the matchup looks like with the Giants and the Browns, um, but I don't think we've gotten into specifics just yet. All right. And then, of course, we'll have our picks pod uh, coming on Friday along with a preview of the Giants. So for Scott and Mary Cam, Dan, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.